care less. This is the Soapbox for the week of August 8th, 2021. The answer to almost all of your questions related to contentment, happiness, and living your best life is summed up in two words. Care less. Not careless, as in behave in a haphazard manner, but care less. And before I continue, a quick aside. Stop saying I could care less when you're trying to convey to someone that you're bored or you have no interest in what is happening or you are incapable of giving two shits. Because if you could care less, then you care. Because you still have some to give up. Once you reach the point where you couldn't care less... You have stopped caring and have nothing at all left to surrender, for you have already allowed all caring to escape you. Please make proper adjustments moving forward. Or don't. I couldn't care less. Almost everyone's hang-ups in life, whether it be related to intimate relationships, friendships, finances, or even hobbies and interests, is that they care too much. Hang-ups in this context is meant as a term that holds us back and keeps us from reaching our true, full potential because we are hung up on something that is, at best, distracting us, and literally, at worst, standing in the way of what we truly want and need. What is it, you ask, that you care too much about? Other people, and their opinions, and thoughts, and judgments, and feelings. Get over that, and I promise you, you'll be freed from the shackles that bind you. In the military, there's a method known as breaking. A new recruit has to first be broken as a human being so that he or she can then be rebuilt into the ideal soldier. And this is what you must do to yourself if you want to feel absolute contentment. you got to break yourself all the way down when it comes to caring about anyone else other than yourself. Once you do, you'll find how easy it is to build yourself back up and learn the difference between caring for other people and about a very select few. That latter group will wind up being your inner circle, and they'll have to earn their way into that circle with each and every interaction you have with them all of the time, every day. Everyone else gets to go to hell and have no space in your head or your heart. Now, too many people, sadly, have to start this process with total strangers. And don't get me wrong, I know the feeling, I just haven't felt it since I was 17 years old. When I see or hear about middle-aged men and women being concerned with people they don't know and have never met, judging them for the items in their grocery cart, I feel just nothing but pity. And there's a reason I mentioned 17 as being the last time this was an issue for me. Being self-conscious about the judgments of others that you don't know is what happens in high school. In other words, it's childish. And it's time to grow up. The first time I went to a therapist in my life, I was convinced that when I walked through the mall with my girlfriend, people were laughing at me, making fun of me, and wondering how and why such a beautiful girl was holding my hand. I had also purchased my first brand new vehicle with my own money. It was a Toyota pickup truck. That's the last style they did before they named it the Tacoma. And I should have been beaming with pride that I had accomplished that at the age of 17. But instead, I was convinced that every single person on the road or in a parking lot looked at me in the driver's seat and thought, well, he clearly didn't earn that. Must be his dad's truck. And these horrible voices of self Loathing were endless about everything. But it took only three sessions with my therapist before he was able to make me realize that it was very possible that the people I was so worried about were saying the exact opposite of my thoughts. Perhaps they were complimenting me on my gorgeous girlfriend or thinking how amazing it was that I had worked so hard at such a young age to afford my own brand new truck. Or maybe, here's one, 
They didn't even notice I was alive. He challenged me for a while to notice how often I judged, thought about, or cared. Total strangers, how they looked, how they acted. And it dawned on me that most of the time I barely even noticed their existence. Maybe life wasn't all about me. We ended after our sixth session. That was the last time I saw him. That session was an hour of discussing the possibility that maybe my initial fears were true. Maybe other people were saying and thinking all of those horrible things about me. He made me feel it. He made me relive it. He even played a recording of people that I didn't know. I didn't recognize their voices. I had never met them. And they were saying things like, that Rob guy is a total fraud or what a loser. To my recollection, it was like five or six different voices. It went on for about two minutes. And when he stopped, he just looked at me and he raised his eyebrows and waited. You know that thing therapists do? Seconds passed. I realized he was looking for a response. So I gave it to him. I, me- I remember it verbatim. I said, what do I care? And who the fuck are they? What do they matter to me? And he smirked and said, exactly. <laughs> that was the point. By the way, it did uh, turn out uh, he was a teacher as well at a local college. And those voices were some of his students who he had asked to say those things after using me as an example to his class of the type of patient they may see. And he did all the disclaimers and uh, assured me that he had never identified me beyond my first name. And I just told him I was flattered, which kind of got a huh from him. And I remember saying, well, I'm either one of the best patients you've ever had or one of the most screwed up. And in both cases, I clearly stood out and made an impression, and I'm good with that. And he laughed. We shook hands, and I left. Literally a new man. I often joke, of course, that he created a monster because he took a kid who on the outside appeared to have it all going on. I was a good student. I was popular. I had a job. I had a girlfriend. I had lots of friends. Partied plenty. Drove a new truck that I bought. But on the inside, that kid didn't believe that that was what other people were seeing. And he cared. But in six sessions, over six weeks, I became whatever it is that I still am today. Some call it arrogant, others confident, and I'm sure there are plenty of other adjectives for me as well. I just don't care at all what they are or who's saying them. Once you free yourself of writing your story for what total strangers are thinking about you, guess what? That's when the actual hard work begins. Because applying the same standard to family and friends and most noteworthy people you choose as romantic partners in life is a much harder task, but absolutely necessary as quickly as possible. I have really honestly only a handful of shorts, pants, and shirts that my wife doesn't like. And she makes fun of me in a playful way whenever I wear them. But guess what? I still wear them. Does that mean that I don't care what my wife thinks? Not exactly, but kind of, sort of, a little bit. You can't turn over your power to other people, any other people. If you like something or someone, pursue it, regardless of what anyone else says about it. Why in the world, for example, would you not play golf just because your wife thinks it's a game for dorks? If you truly enjoy listening to Barry Manilow or you like taking hot baths, Why would you not do those things just because your guy friends say that it makes you girly or fruity or whatever they would come up with? And perhaps worse, why would you do those things in secret and deny who you are to the people in your world? If the people that you call the closest can't accept you for who you truly are, then you need to reevaluate why you hold them so closely. And that, of course, is a two-way street in real relationships. My role in the lives of the people I care about the most is not to change them, or judge the choices that they make, at least not out loud to their faces, unless they ask. Rather, it is to accept them as they are, for that's the reason I liked or loved them in the first place. 
I chose them for reasons. Leave those reasons alone and help them grow. Sometimes they grow in a direction that changes them in ways that makes them no longer someone I want to hold closely. So I let them go. That's all part of life. People come, people go, people change. And people should change. And sometimes those changes result in the aforementioned people going. And who's the one person that is still and always in the picture? Me. So I better like myself the most first. And then the absolute hardest category for most people, family. Learning and accepting that being related to someone does not give them any sort of authority over your life is the most difficult thing for most people to do, which is why most people never do it. I have watched the endless suffering of countless people over the years, all caused by their own inability to recognize the toxicity caused by the people they choose to call family. Yes, you heard me correctly. Family is a choice as an adult. And that's kind of the rub, isn't it? Earlier, I wrote that the reasons my friends are in my life is that I chose them, which is true. I was just going about my life, met them somehow, got to know them, and ultimately realized they had a lot to offer as a friend, and I wanted to offer what I have to them in return. Ultimately, relationships are really just transactions. But when you're brought into this world, you're given no choices. You are related to a group of people that you are then quite literally forced to be around for nearly two decades at least. Many of those individuals make decisions for you, tell you when you're right and wrong, make rules you have to follow, and teach you things like love and punishment and all sorts of other things, often in very destructive ways. Regardless of that experience, once you become an independent adult, you quite literally no longer need any of them. It's time to choose. Sadly, most people decide instead that idiotic expressions like blood is thicker than water and nothing's more important than family are actual dogma. I mean, the second one's pretty close, but it requires redefining the word family. Rather than your family being people that you are related or married to, your family should be the people in your life whose wants, needs, and desires are as important to you as your own. That's also the sociological definition of love, and it's powerful as hell if you let it sink in. Your family members, of course, have to feel the same way in return. In addition, your family should be comprised of people that make you feel good, welcomed, and comfortable as you are, who you are, and in whatever state you are in at the time. Not like California or Nevada, but like happy, sad, angry, that kind of state. And these same people should also be those that you can rely on for anything, whether it be a comforting ear or some needed harsh and asked-for advice or judgments. Perhaps most importantly, family shouldn't hurt. And you're able to have differing thoughts, opinions, and judgments. And through all of it, neither person hurts or gets hurt. That last one is also tough for a lot of people. At some point, I wish for everyone to learn that if another person gets hurt by something honest that you say, you think, or you feel, that is their problem, not yours. If you acted with no malice and spoke candidly, the other person's reaction to your words or actions is on them and them alone. Now, 
Go back to that checklist of who should be in your family and apply all of those items to the people that you know. How many of them are truly family under our new definition? I have a small but wonderful family and a lot of friends. That's the second tier. I'm related by blood to dozens of people that I know are alive and fewer than three of them are my family. And I rarely talk to most of those that I'm related to, for they lack most, if not all, of the criteria needed to be in my actual family, the new definition. Doesn't make them bad people. It makes them unqualified for the job that I need them to do, and since I put my needs first, next! If and when you are ever able to truly free yourself from caring about whatever anyone else thinks or says about you, you will then find that the path is so clear as to who you want to give that gift to. And that's what it is. It's a gift. You're offering to someone the ability to hurt you, trusting that they won't, but knowing that if they do, you'll survive, no matter how deep the pain may be. When you stop caring, your caring becomes a prized asset, offered only to the most special people in your life. And when you choose those people correctly, you have an amazing existence. And when you realize that you chose poorly or that a person has betrayed that gift that you gave them and it will happen, you will simply unchoose them, feel the hurt, and place them in the I couldn't care less pile.